This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. Let's get paid. What's good, fam? It's your host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Farm D and ED, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. Today, I have another special episode for you guys, and this one is going to be for a host of people, whether you're in neurology, you're in an ED, or if you're a staff pharmacist or a clinical pharmacist that even verify orders for the ED or the ICU. Today, we're going to talk about co-administration of benzodiazepines and olanzapine. So intramuscular olanzapine and IEM benzodiazepines are commonly used in the ED for acute agitation. However, the FDA has placed a warning for potential fatal respiratory depression that can occur with this co-administration of olanzapine and benzodiazepines. And this is going to be based off a report that was released to them. And I think it's something we should talk a little bit more about because it's not studied as much as I would like it to be. And I think that we deserve some more answers when it comes to can we give a benzodiazepine and olanzapine at the same time. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. So let's start with the ages and go through some, some background pharmacology. And we're going to just look at the most common agents that we traditionally hear in this. It's going to be olanzapine, uh, lorazepam or Ativan is the brand name here in the U.S. Or midazolam or Versed is the brand name here in the U.S. So let's talk about olanzapine. So the dose that we traditionally give IM because it's not necessarily approved IV from an FDA standpoint is 5 to 10 milligrams with a maximum of about 30 milligrams per day. When it comes to administration of IM olanzapines, we're going to reconstitute a 10 milligram vial with 2.1 ml of sterile water for injection. And this is going to have a resultant of a 5 milligram per, per ml uh, solution. And you want to be able to give this rather quickly within an hour of reconstitution. So when it comes to the PK, I really like olanzapine because it's going to have an onset of about 15 minutes. Again, that could range depending on some other patient specific PK PD issues. And it's going to last for at least two hours. And the great thing is that a good bit of it is going to be eliminated through the urine. So at least we know that. And 30 percent of it is going to be eliminated through the feces. Some things you want to look out for is the fact that it does have some alpha alpha one activity. So you want to be sure to watch out for orthostatic hypertension, some dizziness and drowsiness. Again, this can occur with many agents, but something to look out for, especially if you're talking about the, the textbook answer for some of these things. So let's go ahead and move forward to lorazepam. It's going to be commonly used, and what I traditionally see it used in is the combination of the B-52. And we've already talked about the fact that the B-52 is trash, but the dose that we traditionally see is usually 2 milligrams, but it can range anywhere from 1 to 4 milligrams PRN until the patient is adequately sedated. And this is something you can give IM or IV. However, when given IM, you're going to have some the PK is not going to be as predictable as when you give it IV or comparing the PK to what we see with midazolam. So onset is going to be anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes IM and duration can last anywhere from six to eight hours. Uh, when it comes to excretion, 88% of it is going to be eliminated through the urine and about 7% is going to be eliminated through the feces. Things to look out for is going to be respiratory depression and hypotension. And again, there's a host of things that can be associated with 
uh, benzodiazepines in general. However, the thing that we traditionally are concerned about in the ED rather acutely is going to be that hypotension and that respiratory depression. Cool thing is it's going to be compatible with D5, normal saline and sterile water. So again, when you're talking about flushing and things of that nature, or when you're, you're mixing this at the bedside, you can have a little bit more options. So moving on to my favorite benzodiazepine, midazolam. It's going to be great at 2.5 to 5 milligrams PRN. And you can actually administer this IM undiluted. And it's going to have a phenomenal uh, onset, any, ranging anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes. And the duration is going to be a little quick with 2 to 6 hours. I think that's unique because when we're primarily taking care of these patients before our psychiatry colleagues or if you're in a different place where psychiatry is coming to see the patient, what you don't want to happen is that this patient be completely you know, lethargic for hours and hours and hours after whatever precipitated their psychosis wears off. If it's going to be induced through some type of some pathomimetic or some type of a drug. So you want to make sure that's not the case. And that's why. I really enjoy midazolam compared to lorazepam, and that's going to be my, my major thing. Most of it's going to be excreted through the urine. So we really hit some of the basic pharmacology when talking about these agents, but the big deal is the combination of them get being given together. And the cool thing about olanzapine that makes it very interesting is this chemical structure being very similar to a benzodiazepine. And if you look at the composition of it, it's a theanobenzodiazepine. So it actually is very structurally similar to lorazepam. And that's why we may be able to get in trouble. And the thing that I think is the major overhauling or the major thing when it comes to using these agents together is the patient population. Are these patients already on, you know, medications that can be impacting us? Are these patients also uh, heavily intoxicated with ETOH on board? These are the things that I think are going to be really pertinent when it comes to whether these can be used together and whether the data actually says that. But enough of me talking. Let's get to the data. The major thing that we're basing a lot of this off of is this FDA report that showed that 160 post-marketing adverse events occurred, including 29 fatalities associated with IM olanzapine. But if we dive a little deeper into that, that study and that, that report, we're starting to see that things are not as clear as we thought they were. Um, the fact that this looked at close to like 500,000 patients receiving IM olanzapine over 21 months, and really the total adverse effects was going to be 0.03%. The serious adverse effects is 0.01%, and the fatalities was 0053 with that 5%. The interesting part was of the fatalities, olanzapines and benzodiazepines were giving uh, co-administered together 66% of the time and 76 were also 76% of the time. They were also given with other agents. So it's a lot of stuff on board. And I, when I, when you start looking at other um, reports and people who talk about this, because Foamcast put some stuff out there. Brian Hayes threw some stuff out there about this. The interesting part is that when you look at olanzapine given alone of these fatalities, it's only three of 29 of these patients. So I thought that was interesting. More importantly, when you look at olanzapine plus benzodiazepines, just those two given together, it was only one of 29. And the vast majority of the patients, the 25 of 29, got olanzapine, benzodiazepines, and other medications as well, rather frequently. And the most important part that I think that really 
made my eyes open quite a bit when I when I thought about this is the fact that if it really was olanzapine and just the benzodiazepines together in a normal healthy patient, we should see these results of these adverse effects occur more commonly. And with this report, when they looked at timing of these fatalities, again, a lot of it is going to be within one hour, 23 of 29, uh, within one to 12 hours, it's only four of 29. Within 12 to 24 hours, it's only 8 of 29. A large percent of these patients, 11 of 29, happened greater than 24 hours. And then it was unknown based on the report, uh, 3 of 29 of these patients. So, again, we can see 14 of 29 of these patients, potentially, we didn't even know. So close to half of these patients, we don't even know what really caused all of this. And I think the more we look into this data, the more we say, okay, something we should have looked at, but something's not adding up if we're saying it's just going to be the two agents that was only given by themselves one out of 29% of the time. And the range of timing of this was all over the place. So I really don't know how we can really pinpoint this. So let's look forward to some other studies that looked at the co-administration of olanzapine and benzodiazepines. All right. So the Klein study was one that was done in 2008. And it was a Perspective observational trial looking at 737 patients. And they did a combination of a few things. They looked at um, haloperidol, zaprazidon, olanzapine, um, midazolam, and uh, haloperidol given at 10 milligrams were administered for a treatment of acute agitation in the ED. At 15 minutes, those that received midazolam was more likely to be sedated of uh, 71% versus 40 to 61% with the other agents. And olanzapine resulted in more participants being adequately sedated compared to both doses of haloperidol and zaprazidon. The cool part was this. Adverse effects were uncommonly, was uncommon and not statistically different between the two groups. So when you start looking at whether it's just one of these agents versus the other, again, there was not many things that show it was a difference between those agents given uh, separately. Now, let's move forward and look at this study done by Wilson and colleagues done in 2010, it was a smaller study, so nothing to really hang your hat on. But it was a retrospective study looking at 25 patients. And what they did was look at patients receiving lazapine for agitation in ED and monitor their vital signs. So 10 of 25, or about 40% of these patients, received the court administration of olanzapine and benzodiazepines. And what they saw was this. There was a decrease in oxygen saturations in these patients who adjusted a significant amount of alcohol. This is going to be irrespective of benzos were used or not. So my big thing is that we're hitting this GABA receptor with alcohol, olanzapine, and with benzodiazepines potentially. And of those patients who receive the olanzapine benzo combination, the only patients that actually had a significant drop in their oxygen was those who were also intoxicated with ETOH. So this study really helped me get a better picture, again, not a complete picture, but it gave me a better picture of what was going on in these patients. Another study that looked at this, and I think it's a good read overall because it was a it was an MUE that was published. And what they did was they pulled some data as well. So most of the studies that I'm going to have posted in the show notes, they had it on there. But they also looked at their patient population, about 91 patients. And what they did was they looked at those who received the combination of IM olanzapine and IM lorazepam within 24 hours. And the cool part was this. Those patients who got that co-administration within 60 minutes uh, it occurred in, in 41 patients. There was no instance of hypotension, bradycardia, oxygen desaturations following that combination. 
And they, they looked at this and they also reported some other studies as well. And I thought it was pretty cool because everything that we've been you know, really stressing about when we look at some of these other studies and I'll post more of them on there because it's about two or three more that looked at the co-administration of uh, olanzapine plus benzodiazepines. We just really didn't see it. And one study that was done by Wilson and colleagues saw that when looking at haloperidol plus a benzodiazepine, they actually had a they had more patients that had a decrease in their oxygen saturations compared to olanzapine plus benzodiazepines. So I think we need to relook at this. I think that um, that report should open our eyes to look at olanzapine, but I don't think that the FDA report is completely accurate when it comes to what we're looking at. All right, I'm going to go ahead and shut it down there because I think that overall what we found was that olanzapine can be a really beneficial agent that we can use for the treatment of acute agitation and benzodiazepines is particularly for me, midazolam can be a phenomenal agent as well. The co-administration of those agents potentially could lead to some respiratory depression. However, the data doesn't necessarily add to what the FDA report showed, and I think it's something we should look at. The European Society has said that they want to separate those agents by 60 minutes. And I believe a few hospital systems have also adopted that language when it comes to the utilization of olanzapine and benzodiazepines. But I think that overall, the data is not necessarily clear. And this is what we can do. And I challenge all of you guys, if you're using these agents quite frequently, do an MUE on it. Make sure we can get together and do a multi-study observational trial and we can really start to answer this question because realistically if we can all get together i know my ed in itself and a few places that i work we can get over 160 patients we can get a large number of patients to see does this really occur across multiple patient populations in different centers or is this something that we really just overreacted to so that's all i have for today and thank you guys for listening of course be on the lookout for Empower RX Conference. It's going to be great for all of our ED pharmacists or those who are practicing in the ED in general for us to have a place where we can promote pharmacotherapy and resuscitation and toxicology, all the things that we see on a day-to-day basis. That's what we are going to be doing on March 11th and 12th. We have a phenomenal lineup already set. So definitely go check that out at EmpowerRx slash conference.com. It's going to be in the show notes as well. And if you're looking for a way to support us, you can definitely check out the Packy. That's our premium membership website where we teach on different things, whether it's going to be something similar to acute agitation, hyperkalemia. We have guest speakers come and have webinars. We have a reference library that can save you guys time on research and topic presentations. So, again, this is something that we've made for you guys and we're constantly modifying based off the feedback that you have. But that's all. And you know how I end it, guys. You don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to work in ED, but everything you do, make sure you farm so hard.